This is a Visual Audio Times production. Hello and welcome to Imole, your go-to mental health, wellness and spirituality podcast. I am your host, Palumi. Thank you for hitting play on this episode. Please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream your podcasts so you don't miss out on new episodes. Also, follow Imole on Instagram and Twitter at ImoleThePod. Before we start today's episode, I'd like for us to calm our nerves with a short meditation exercise. Follow the sound of my voice. Breathe in slowly. Breathe out slowly. This episode features conversations about trauma. Listener discretion is advised. I'd like to apologize for the audio quality in this episode. I promise you can still hear my guest and I clearly. It's just not as good as I'd like. Today's topic, as I said, is an interesting one. We'll be speaking about narcissistic personality disorder or narcissism. Yes, we've all heard about this a million and one times. Narcissists, narcissists, narcissists <laughs> all over. It's like a current obsession now, but I'm going to be interviewing someone that has a first-hand experience. And so let me introduce narcissism. It's a disorder in which a person has an inflated sense of self-importance. As far as we know, the cause is unknown, but scientists and medical practitioners say that narcissism arises as a result of both genetic and environmental factors. In most people, it's more of environmental factors like childhood, like how they were raised. And most narcissists also were abused when they were younger. So that's just a little thing that we should all know before we judge people. So this means that how and where they grew up can also lead to an inflated ego. Same with our DNA, you know. You can spot a narcissistic person through a couple of symptoms like excessive need for admiration. (laughs) They always want things to be about them, you know, for people to constantly talk about them. Another symptom of a narcissist is someone who disregards the feeling of others, the feelings of others, and they have a sense of entitlement. I'm just going to go to today's guest. His name is Tayo. He's a wonderful friend of mine, an amazing person, very intelligent. And I want to interview him because he was raised in a narcissistic household. So, welcome to the podcast, Tayo. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. What's too. up? <laughs> I'm good. I'm very, very good. I'm so glad to have mm. you. Thank you for coming on the podcast to share your story. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a very, very wonderful, amazing one that people can learn from. But amazing, that's subjective, mm-hmm. guys. So just, mm-hmm. <laughs> just understand where I'm coming from. But let's start. Tell me about where you mm-hmm. grew up and what your family dynamic was like. So I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. But um, I grew up under a very narcissist father. So you can imagine how 
um, how not standard the kind of family I grew up in was. So my mom and he were not together, you know, so for a long time, it was just me and my dad. And then he got with somebody else. And then they had about, she had about two kids for him. And, you know, that one too left. So it was just my dad and the kids. Now, because of the kind of person he is, um, there was nobody who would agree to stay. There was no, like, family member. There was no house help. So it was a very traumatic growing up experience in the sense that we were kind of um, secluded, not by choice, but because of his narcissism was extreme. So there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of abuse, there was a lot of, you know, things that children should not have to go through. So I grew up kind of too early, and I didn't have a lot of um, memories from my childhood that I should look up to or that, that, I should, that I should have because, you know, my dad. So it wasn't very pleasant, to be honest. But as we go on, I guess people would understand, you know, more about where I'm coming from. So were you in the, the oldest in the house living with your dad? Yeah, I'm his first and I was the oldest. Okay. So like, uh, just give me examples of the things that he would do to you. But first of all, how old were you when you realized that this is not normal? Because you know, when we grow up in a situation, it's normal to us. It's normal to our siblings. So when did you realize that, okay, this is a bit excessive and it's not the normal, my daddy beat, beat me or did this to me like that we have in our society? I cannot exactly recall the exact time that I knew something was off. I just knew that it wasn't right. I knew that there was something off, you know, because I went to good primary school. And when you're in primary school and you see how your other siblings, other classmates are talking about their homes and what they what the kind of games they like to play, and you are different, you know. You see, um, even in secondary school, when it's visiting there, you see mom and dad will come. Or visiting day, one parent will come and you know, nobody's come to see you. You just know that there's something off. You don't exactly pin it to be narcissism, but you just know there's something off. Now, when did I exactly? Uh, I think that because of what I went through, it's like it's a it's a blessing in disguise because it may, it has made me a lot more emotionally attuned, and it made me a a, a lot more emotionally intelligent. So. Um, I, I knew that there was something off, you know. So after secondary school, when we when we, we are done with secondary school, you know, you go back to your house until your university application goes through. I knew at that point in time that I was not going to go back there because I, it was, call it like my intuition, you know. Now, I have a very sharp intuition and I don't know if it's what because of the way I grew up. But I just knew that there was something not right. Now, it was when I started to get older, after secondary, after university, like maybe one or two years, that I now started to understand that there was something, that I was able to pin it, that I was able to place it, you know, that I was able to say, okay, there, there's something not right, you know, and this may be narcissism. I don't know that I, ex I knew that I, what I thought to myself was he has problems. He has mental problems. He has emotional problems. He's just a wicked person, you know. But can you um, give us some, sorry to interrupt you, but can you give us like some mm -hmm. examples of the things that he would do so the listeners can understand a lot better? 
So basically, it's, it's the little things like him, you're an eight-year-old, and you have your father telling you, using words like, I don't know if your listeners are Yoruba, but saying things like, oh, Bajen Simi. Bajen Simi means God gave me to him because God just wants to, like, take this child and leave me the heck alone. You're asking for a child, but you, the child God gives to me is just take, leave me alone, you're disturbing me, just take, like, the bottom barrel child I have in heaven, you know. When you have a father who's telling you that, you know, when you have a father who's telling you, you are never going to, you are ne- you never do well. I remember those words clearly. You are never do well. You, you don't have any truth in your life. Using deep abuses, you know, deep abuses. When I say deep abuses, I'm not talking about um, mad, stupid, idiots, you're crazy, deeper, deeper abuses, or when he beats you up, you know, and you're like, you're not basing me like your child, you're basing me like I'm a thief, you're basing me like I stole, and I stole something that has caused a war. When you have, when you're basing your child to the point where you beat the child so bad, you have to carry the child to the hospital at 2 a.m. in the morning, not once, not twice, not three times, you know. When you, when you start to live in fear, you know, you're fearful, you're just scared, you're living in constant fear because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know when a slap is going to land on your face. You don't know when, you know, a koboko is going to pop out. You don't know when he's going to lose his shit. You don't, like, you, you, you're just looking over your shoulder as a young child. You know, those are just a few instances, you know, but it was one of the most tumultuous periods of my entire life. It was psychological trauma, emotional trauma, physical trauma, you know. So it, when, when somebody's a narcissist, they don't accept responsibility for their actions. So they may hurt you, but they will never admit that they hurt you. Or if something happens and they start to accuse you and then so, and the truth comes out that, okay, I'm innocent. A narcissist father would never admit that they they were in the wrong, you know. So it was just a lot of emotional, and it's not the usual discipline that every every parent would give to their child. It was it was just downright wicked, you know, downright wicked. You would stop me from going to see my mom for holidays, you know. You would. It was just many things, you know. It was just just a combination of many things, but that. that to give people an idea of the kind of abuses that I suffered. And I don't know, you can come up with some, you can tell me some attributes of a narcissist of a narcissistic parent, and I will be able to give you like some deeper uh, context around them. Well, I would just like to say I'm very sorry you had to go through that. And I know we've had private conversations, but anytime you tell me this story, I'm always just like, damn, like you had to go to the hospital at 2 a.m. because of he, he had to take you to the hospital at 2 a.m. because of how he beat you. And I remember you did tell me one time that you almost lost your eye, right? Like, mm-hmm. he, yeah, he almost mm-hmm. blinded you in one eye. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just wanted to bring that up so people can understand because, you know, in our... Like the way we grew up in Africa or Nigeria, is, let me be more specific, like beating is not something that is seen as child abuse, it's seen as discipline. So most people won't understand until you say exactly how 
I said, how serious it was. Like taking or having to take a child to the hospital in the middle of the night just because you beat them up. That that is not normal, and that is not even something that we should be tolerating. Now the the whole idea of beating children. I mean, that's still up for some people. Are saying, okay, I've I've decided not to beat my kids anymore. Some people are still open to it. Whatever it is, we're not really here to judge. But I'm sure you can hear clearly that this was not a normal type of spanking. This was definitely mm. definitely abuse or abusive. So um, mm-hmm. I know you said you've been in therapy. You told me this privately. So I'll just mm-hmm. share this with the audience. That's, that's why you're on this podcast, actually, because I think you're someone who, despite what you've been through, you've been able to make a wonderful life for yourself and you're still in the process of doing that. So you're a true mm-hmm. testament to the fact that therapy does work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I just wanted to ask, like, in terms of, symptoms you know the classic symptoms of a narcissist like um angry outbursts like narcissists tend to not be able to control their anger like it's from zero to hundred most times and the different forms of narcissists they are malignant narcissists they are more covert narcissists so some, there are some narcissists that don't really they're not really the most explosive narcissists those are the covert ones but they find ways to like eat at you suddenly with their, with them subtly rather with their words or with the fact that they guilt trip you a lot, just try to manipulate you to do what they want. But from what you've described, your dad is clearly a malignant narcissist if people couldn't really live with him. So um, what are the symptoms besides, I mean, just the symptoms he experienced, like the angry outbursts, just other things that you can share with us. Okay, so some of the narcissistic behaviors was, you know, um, him, for example, saying things like, um, if nobody would ask me, if, if the only reason why I'm paying your school fees, or the only reason why I'm sending you to school is so that people don't ask me questions. You know, saying things like, oh, um, you know, uh, some some people don't, I don't, I, I never wanted you, you know, but some people would use, some women who use children to tie you down. This is a, this is a man who you, uh, you know, willingly had sex with another woman. She got pregnant for you. And then you're, you're saying, oh, some woman would tie you down with the children. You know, you know, just just seeing things like, um, like just creating a force out of nothing. You know, for example, now a small cup would drop on the ground and then it would break, and then you turn it into this major issue that ah, if so, if somebody from outside is hearing the way you will be interrogated, it's going to be like ah, maybe you you sold the car or you broke or you you've, you know I don't understand like something really minute. You know, narcissist, narcissistic parent like my dad always thought about himself. He was a selfish person to the point where he would give him a list that I'm going to school and it's about things for school. And he would give him a list of 10,000 naira. He would give you 6,000 naira. And you're like, but the things I want to buy is 10,000 naira. This is how much they're selling it in the market. Why are you giving me money that's less? Are you trying to say that as a child, I should go to school with supplies that are not enough? Is that what you're trying to say? You know, if this isn't a, he's not coming to check up on you. Maybe, maybe he will send someone to you. Maybe one day, it won't out of the blue. But when is it, like, you just don't have a normal childhood. You know, when people want to go out and have fun with their friends, you want to lock them up in the house, you know. It's just, I think I have suppressed a lot of the 
I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to use the word surprised, but I would like maybe I have dealt with it. So it's not as painful to me now. So I may not exactly recollect everything. But that's it. Those are like a few examples. Yes, and suppressing certain memories is very normal in childhood because um, constantly dealing with all these triggers can be very crippling on a day-to-day basis. So the brain does something to protect us and helps to suppress those memories. Now, some people see this as a bad thing. It's relative. But if you had to deal with this pain constantly and remind yourself of it every like every five minutes, you probably won't be able to function as an adult. So it's it's a coping mechanism that we have as humans. So I can understand why you say um, your brain suppressed certain things because it had to, man. You you had to live life and you had to move on and um, it just it just had to happen. <laughs> I'm, just a little, I'm at a loss for words because thinking back on how someone would do this to their own child is very... It's just, it's very sad. And we have a lot of instances like this, very common that people don't talk about, that we think are normal, but we don't ever, ever talk about. So um, how does this affect you mentally and physically? And I'm saying this in hindsight. I know you you have talked about this, but I mean, after you've dealt with your therapist or you've been in therapy for a while, there are probably certain things you notice, like maybe it you had you developed CPTSD as a result. This is just an example. Or like just some of some other things. Just explain how this affected you emotionally and mentally in general. So um I would say that I have grown up to be I mean right now I've been I've been able to deal, but I grew up not liking going out and I grew up being like an like an extra introvert. I don't know if introvert is the right word to use because being an introvert is not a problem. But maybe I grew up extra secluded. I grew up with a lot of body dysmorphia. I grew up with a lot of self-shame. I grew up with a lot of um, not feeling confident about myself because when you have somebody who is supposed to be a father on a constant basis telling you that you will never do well, that you are that you are just not, you are, you know, downgrading you with deep abuses, when they tell you, you know, it's a different thing when you tell your child, don't be stupid, you're a stupid child, you're an idiot, you know. Parents will always find a way to show love to that child. But when you hear it on a constant basis for years, and it's coming from a place of, you know, there's something about emotions. Uh, I can tell you, believe me, you're stupid. And somebody else who is a narcissist can tell you, believe me, you're stupid. But the intent and the manner in which they tell you you're stupid is what matters. And that's why many Nigerians think that because they were beaten by their parents, they are okay because they didn't have the extreme kind of abuse, you know. But it was just the intent and the way he couched, the way he spoke to me. It was filled with rage and it was filled with, you know, when I say rage, I don't mean a rage where you're shouting, but you can just tell that this thing is coming from pain. Now, when somebody imparts that kind of emotional poison when, when somebody abuses you with that kind of emotional poison it will hit you different it will not hit you the same way so if you if somebody is speaking to you with a lot of emotional poison black emotional poison over the years from when you were in primary school to secondary school 
that kind of thing is going to stick. There's really nothing you can do. It's going to affect you as it's going to affect your psyche, you know, because those are your formative years. And those years are when you are being formed. Who you are is being formed, you know. And I grew up with that kind of mentality to say, oh, I ain't shit. I ain't shit. Maybe that's why I don't have love in my life yet because I'm like, I'm not worthy of love. Even if I've had people in the past trying to love me, I've always pushed them away because I grew up with the idea that I cannot be loved. So when somebody's trying to show me love, I'm like, okay, now, why are you trying to show me love? What's what's the deal? And then I find a way to spoil it and I find a way to just scutter the whole thing. So, um... That's it. That's you know, it affects you as an, you become I'm socially awkward. Um I can be very into myself. I can be very you know but the thing is, uh well, I mean, you know, the universe has kind of not kind of <laughs> the universe has compensated me. <laughs> Greatly. <laughs> so I, I don't greatly, I don't regret this anymore. I don't because I'm like, universe, you knew what you were doing. Because, see, that's why I believe so much in energy and I believe so much in karma. Because you think you are doing yourself and you think, oh, you're the shit now. But see, universe will get you somehow and it will get you to the point where it will fuck you up. <laughs> it will mess you up. <laughs> it was, you know my oh my, my right now my dad is trying to get, get at me and he can't he has gone from pillar to post and he can't because sometimes there's the energy of balance and the energy has been you know has been like the energy has been like shifted so when it comes to things that are not physical and it's deep like that you can there's really nothing you can do you know that's why i always tell people whatever trauma you've been through try to work your way through it try to try to come out of try to come out on top of it i'm not saying forget it you know because let me tell you something again families especially african families they're trying to make guilt you if you say oh my dad was imagine i want to see an uncle and they were telling me oh he's your dad he beat you we all beat our children you know when, when my dad was growing up and they don't understand and they are gaslighting you but they don't think they don't know they're gaslighting they think actually, they're trying to be narcissism Sorry to interrupt again. That is actually called like flying monkeys. If people, people who study it about narcissism, the people around you, like family members and people around that encourage you to tolerate abuse. And even sometimes they know it's very glaring that the parent or the narcissist in question is doing too much, but they find a way mm -hmm. to encourage it either because they're depending on the narcissist. Like in some cases, I know maybe mm -hmm. aunts and uncles who are depending on the dad or the mom in question as a narcissist, mm -hmm. to give them some money or this, that, and the third. They mm -hmm. sort of encourage it and they sweep it under the rug. At the same time, societally, because I was talking to a therapist, I was saying most of us in Nigeria grew up in sociopathic conditions or as sociopaths to some extent because we have been taught to normalize certain things that should not be normalized and it's not even just nigeria it's the world as a whole like there are things now there's this new mental health um insurgents like people are talking more about their mental health and by doing this we are starting to unravel a lot of things a lot of things that were normalized are just not healthy for us <laughs> you know what i mean mm -hmm. so um, mm. Yeah, I get where you're coming from by aunties and uncles. Sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to clarify. No worries. So basically, they, my, you know, um, I've been, so I had to go to therapy. And it was when I went to therapy for the first time that she told me that it's okay for you to set boundaries against your father. 
just because a person is your father doesn't mean they're not a human being. Just because, and you know, it was such an important lesson for me, you know, because people will give you to say, oh, but that person is your father. Your father is not somebody who you have a toxic relationship with. But no, anybody, even your mother, whoever it is, they have to be deserving of your presence. You have to look after yourself. You have to come first. And also, let me tell you something about narcissists. Narcissists, they take and take and they take from you and they try to beat you down and they try to beat your spirit down and they and sometimes something has happened to you but when a narcissist you're confronting a narcissist they will deny it and in your mind you're like okay maybe i was wrong or you're not wrong but i don't know we're not it's like an energy it's really, it's really deep so narcissists i think everybody has to create you know I, I, see i even had a narcissistic boss let me tell, oh my lord, I don't. I really don't know what it is, but I feel like the universe was trying to teach me a lesson, you know. But let me finish with my dad. It was my therapist who told me that um, you have to set boundaries. So it's okay for you to say, you're my father. I forgive you for everything that you did to me. I may not forget, but I release you, I forgive you, and I don't want you to come near me. Stay over there while I stay over here. I'm going to block your number. I'm going to block you entirely. I don't want to hear from you. You're protecting. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. In fact, the mere fact that you are allowing that person get to you, irrespective of what they continue to do to you, especially when they are refusing to acknowledge that they did something to you, that, that's when you are a bad person because you're hurting yourself. God has given you the choice, but you've decided to listen to society and you're hurting yourself. So set boundaries against narcissists. You know, if it's a job, walk away, my dear. Walk the F away. I had a boss, uh, a, a complete narcissist, a wealthy boss, but it was like he wanted people to treat him like a god. You know, narcissists, uh, you can offend them all. And they won't tell you you offended them, but they will start acting to you in a very funny way. You know, they can you can do something to them today, and they will act like they're forgiving you, but they will punish you. That thing until they punish you, they are not at rest. They have they have to find a way to punish you. Narcissists will give you money now. They say, "Oh, you you did a great job." They will give you five hundred thousand naira now. They will find a way to collect that money back from you in a way that you are not even expecting it. They will just find they, they do something for you. They will find a way to get it back from you. They don't do things for people. Um, they don't do things for people on their own volition. You know, there's always like a caveat. There's always like a condition. I had a narcissistic boss as well, and it was one of the most terrible times of my life. You don't. They call you. You don't pick up your phone, and you, and and they start to get upset. You know, they they they, they call you at seven p.m. or nine p.m. They don't pick up. You don't pick up your phone. They will start to blame you why you're not picking up your phone i called you but it was 9 p.m my contract says between 8 a.m and, and 5 p.m why should, do you want to call me at 9 p.m i don't pick up your phone and you're getting upset you know or instances like for example they they expect you to treat them like a god to co-toe to them they expect you to put aside your own life for their own good they expect that they come first in your life. It's your life, oh, but they want to come first. So 
The one thing that I would tell anybody who cares to listen is set boundaries. If it's your family member, if it's your boss, if it's your colleague, set boundaries, you know. And this is why one of the reasons why even me going, I'm very scared of getting married because you just don't know people like human beings i'm so i'm so fearful many people are coming with scars and many people are coming with packages you know and then you come together choose yourself really choose yourself don't think that because you've been married to that person for that long you can't walk away my dear when i when i left my job because i said this man is affecting my mental health i was jobless for four months i'm telling you that the, the turnaround of my life now the way that my life has turned around because I took a decision, I took a leap according to my intuition and I didn't listen to people. The way my life has turned out to be, it's amazing, you know. So um, the one advice is just don't, don't, don't entertain narcissists. Don't uh, allow them to exist in your space for too long. Just find a way to set some kind of boundary, really. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And also just to clarify for people who have narcissistic bosses right now, I know it may not be so easy to walk away. And I know from what Ty is saying, because I know the backstory, it wasn't that easy for him to walk away as well. But it's just knowing that you have to prioritize your mental health. And I know it's really, really hard because I've also been in situations with very toxic bosses, not one situation, it's more than one situation that you'd be crying at work, you'd be upset when they're speaking to you because of the way they're speaking to you in such a demeaning way. And it's it's so bad for your state of mind, like your mental health, it eats at you in different ways. Like, cause I also am a creative person and I do some other things. And I found out that just being with a narcissistic boss, even though I was able to set some boundaries with time, which didn't entirely work because that's the thing about working with these people, your, their lives, like it feels like you have to be consumed with them to a certain extent. Even when you have a narcissistic parents, it's like you have to be obsessed, do everything they like, when they want it, how they want it. So I remember trying to set some boundaries, but I realized that I couldn't even function in other areas of life. And for those people that have kids, it's not as easy to walk away from a well-paying job, even if your boss is narcissistic. Like if you find a way to insulate, and I'm using the word insulate yourself, like protect yourself and build walls around you to get over it. That's fine. But I always tell people that I, that find themselves in such situations to have an exit strategy. Even, in take, even if it takes a couple of months or a year, just know that you have to leave this job as quickly as you can. So maybe it's when you get a new one or when you're able to set up um, a business or whatever it is. Just have that plan in place because I don't think anything is worth your mental health. You can be rich and miserable and it still doesn't feel like you're rich, you know, because you're so miserable. You get what I mean? But thank you so much, Tyle, for like even sharing coping mechanisms, like how to how to um, put up blocks or how to say, how do I say, put up boundaries with these people. So you said in your life right now, I mean, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing from what you said, that if you do meet a narcissist, you that you can identify as a narcissist because people are sneaky. So once you identify them as a narcissist, you walk away. But also one thing I, I'm going to say is, can you speak on codependency a little? Because it feels like those people that, people that grew up, people who grew up in toxic family situations, learn how to be codependent in a way of whereby they always need that external validation because they've been beaten down so much as when they were children and they tend to also attract 
narcissists. And I don't want to use the term attract narcissists. I'll say they are also attracted to narcissists. So when they find themselves in jobs or even let me use romantic relationships because that one is a lot more understandable. When they find themselves in romantic situations whereby they are clearly with a narcissist, they find it so hard to walk away. So can you speak a little on that? Um, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. But that's why I hope this podcast would help people. You know, um, you have to do a lot of mental work. You know, you have to do, I mean, I can't, I can't ask anybody to walk away in an instant. You have, go to therapy. And I know, like, find a therapist who is, good therapists are expensive. So I, I, I tell everybody who is going through some form of trauma, invest in therapy. You have no idea how much it will help you. You know, you, you, we need therapy. Everybody needs therapy. You know, a lot of people need therapy. So if you are really stuck, you know, and you don't want to talk to a friend, you don't want to talk to a family, any next money that you get, you know, as opposed to buying like a shoe or something, go go to therapy. Let me tell you something. Therapy opened. I mean, I did a lot of work on my own. And if you can't go to therapy, if you don't have the money to go to therapy, go on YouTube watch videos of therapists and people talking about their experiences, read, you know. But for me, I think I'm just so lucky because my intuition, my intuition got sharpened. My intuition got sharpened early on. So me walking away from my dad at the end of secondary school was because I just, there was just some form of like like a higher being that was guiding me at that time, you know. I'm not, I'm not even talking from a, from, a, from a perspective of Christianity now, of religion. It was just a deep knowing. So another advice I can have for people is follow your heart. See, don't let society tell you. See, let me tell you something. The road that's, that, that, that is traveled by everybody may not necessarily be your own path. It may not, because I have had to take, for me to get, for me to free myself, well, me, I've had to take unorthodox decisions that in the eyes of the world is wrong, but in the, in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things has turned out to be in my favor. So I've gone against advice from aunties, uncles, family members, society in general, where if you tell my story to certain people, they'll be like, ah, what kind of a charge is that, you know? But in the grand scheme of things, me being able to talk to you today, me having gotten to where I've gotten to, is because I took those decisions. So listen to your heart. What's that? Everybody has an inner compass. Everybody has an inner compass. Listen to your heart. And also for people who are stuck in um, abusive relationships, either narcissism or anything else, there's something I learned about giving. You know, we're taught that you have to give, give us or receive, and give us whenever lag, and blah, 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 blah. But the, what they didn't tell you is you're only supposed to give what is coming out of your cup. So if you have a cup, the cup has to be full, and then what is running over what is spilling over is what you give to people. You don't dip inside your cup. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm going to, to give out to people? It's not necessarily money. It may be your energy. It may be your emotions. Sometimes look after yourself because if you don't have anything in your cup, you won't have anything to give. So if you keep on dipping into your cup to give out to people, they will deplete your cup. 
they will take you, they will take you to the dryest. They will wring you out. And when you need help, and you're like, oh, I need help. And they're like, oh, but I can't help you. And you're like, but I helped you. And they will ask you, did I ask you for help? And, 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 and they will be right. Because all they did was to ask you for help. They didn't ask you to go and dip into your cup. They asked you for help. You were the one who dipped into your cup to give out to people. And when they ask you, did I, did I ask you for help? Did I ask you to give it to me? They will be right. Because you had the responsibility of saying no. So we all have a personal responsibility to ourselves. You have a personal responsibility to yourself. So, see, choose you. And then anybody who you want to attach to yourself, that's an afterthought. But the first step is choose you. And maybe your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, that is like... That is very powerful. You said choose you. And that's Uh, the message that I really want to end this um, podcast, this particular episode on is, you know, that even goes back to the whole issue of codependency. Usually we feel like we have to help people to to have this, to have the sense of self-worth, of value. And especially when you've been beaten down so much growing up, you feel like an empty shell. So you're always trying to attach yourself to other people or even to a cause sometimes to get a form of like validation or just feeling useful or feeling like, okay, yes, I'm a meaningful person. I have this healthy contribution to society and there's nothing wrong with contributing or helping other people. You just have to make sure it's not coming from a place of lack within yourself because like Taya said, you give too much of yourself that you have mm-hmm. nothing left for you. So you'll be an empty shell mm-hmm. while you've devoted your life and your essence to somebody else. And in the end, you will be resentful. That's what we don't understand. After a while mm-hmm. of doing this and sacrificing yourself and trying to be the Messiah to everyone, you will be, you start to resent them in the end. And also you resent yourself. For example, there's so many people I know that I'm related to and it's mostly women in this case because of like society, right? They were, and I'm not saying women can't be narcissists too, but statistically speaking, you have more narcissist women. So, um, so women have been married to men for a long, long time. And when they're in their forties or their fifties, they just wake up and I'm like, I allowed this person to control my life. I gave everything to him. I have nothing for myself. And I'm speaking in the case of when the husband is a narcissist, not just regular manage, marriage. And because these few women who were probably raised by narcissistic fathers or mothers, they didn't really see anything wrong in their husband's actions or maybe they saw things wrong but society would tell you especially back then oh you know it's your husband you just have to put up with it but after a while you realize they get very very resentful of these men and sometimes they can also be bitter people and that's just an example but in some way shape or form we can all be bitter now Ty, the last question i want to ask you is I know you said you've forgiven him based on, like, you spoke about forgiveness. But will you say in some shape or form that you do empathize with him? And the reason why I'm asking this is because most narcissists were also abused when they were younger. Like, no one is born... I won't say no one is born a narcissist because that would be a blanket statement and that will probably be inaccurate. But when they tend to be very, very... How do I say? People people who've been through rough childhoods childhoods as well so do you empathize with your dad in some way um i tried at some point and then i saw that he was not willing to accept responsibility 
So I'm like, I'm going to leave it to your karma. I'm not going to empathize with you because you have to get, you have to be able to get through your narcissism. You know, this is somebody who will never apologize, will never acknowledge um, anything. So, um, so basically, um, I don't, to be honest. I mean, you, as I said earlier on, he's not, he's not, he's not ready to accept responsibility. So, whatever karma you're dealt with, deal with it. You know, deal, you know, deal with it. You know, accept it. It's your, you know, personal responsibility again. So, that's what he chose. Everybody, listen. We all have a personal responsibility to ourselves to do better and to choose better. And it's okay if you've been going the wrong way for a long time, but when you get to the point where you understand that I can turn around, I can switch over, I can switch lanes, and you're refusing to do it, you are making a choice. And that's one thing I love about God. God will not force you to do anything. You take a choice. You made it. You, you're choosing. Make a choice. You made. That's one thing I'm, I love about being human. We all get to make a choice. People who want to leave this earth who ask to be euthanized, they make a choice. I want to die. Assisted suicide is a choice. So your choice is one of the most powerful things that you can have. So he made his choice. So sometimes you got to let people, you know, one thing I've learned again is you can't save everybody. I used to be the kind of person who, uh, my friend needs money. I want to give that person money. I want to help that person. I want to go. But my dear, you can't do any, everything. You can't do every, I remember there was a time when my friend was telling me about her phone and I was even looking at how to borrow money and help her get a phone and, to, you know, pay the person back. Later down the line, about a week or two later, I saw her with a new phone and I'm like, ah, I was willing to dip into my cup to help you at my own expense. But look at you, you're fine. When all I could have done was, I, I can't help you get a new phone number. Maybe can I, can I, I can afford to give you my only two assistance. If it's 5,000 naira, if it's 10,000 naira, that's, that's the least what I can do. I've done good according to my conscience. So I don't feel empathy for him, to be honest. He chose. I've tried. I've, I've tried, but this nigger ain't ready. So... That is that is very true. But the message that I would like to leave everyone with today is like what Taya said, just as we're rounding up, choose uh, sorry, choose yourself. And for uh-huh. people, and I'm I want to just give a special message for those people who are adults. Maybe you went off to university and school, came back and started living with our parents as adults and still going through narcissistic abuse. I know this because Personally, I've experienced this. So one thing I'll say is definitely move out. I know it's not going to be easy in society and we need money, but it's not something that can happen at once. It's not just something that you wake up and say, okay, I want to move out today. You can save up for it. You can make, but always choose yourself. Don't feel guilty for choosing yourself. Don't feel bad for putting yourself first because it's your life at the end of the day. Your parents have their lives to live. Your friends or your spouse or even your children have their own lives to live. No. So this is your life. And what story do you want to be able to tell with your life? That's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. So if you find yourself in a situation that's unhealthy, make the plan to leave. It probably won't be a one-day plan. For some people, it's take longer than a year. But plan 
to leave toxic situations. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to leave, live a very, very peaceful life. So thank you. Thank you so much, Taya, for sharing your story. Thank you for being vulnerable with me and with our listeners. I really appreciate this because I feel like even though what you went through is like, it's very tough and it's crazy, but there are lots of people who have been through the same thing in our society and we sweep it under the carpet and we just tolerate toxic parenting and um, toxic marriages just because, oh, we're family, we're married, it's what we're meant to do. No, no, choose yourself, okay? Thank you once mm. again, Taya. Thank you, buddy. me. Thank you for having me and I hope I've been of help to people. Oh, you have been of help. You have been of help because I personally mm. have also learned a lot from this. So, mm -hmm. take care. All right. Thank and, you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Imole. Please make sure you rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts wherever you stream your episodes. You can also send me emails about today's episode or anything related to mental health and spirituality through fanmail at imolethepod.com. Finally, please subscribe to the Imole newsletter to learn more about our episodes through the link in the episode notes. Thank you and see you on the next episode. This episode was produced by Aisha Salaudin audio mixed by Lord Phil, and is distributed by Visual Audio Times. For more podcasts, visit visualaudiotimes.com.